Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up guys, hope we're doing well as always, and welcome to what might be the last episode of Around the Arc before the regular season starts in, I think it's less than a, less than a week's time now, so yeah, it probably will be the uh, last episode before then. So what I thought I would do today, uh, carrying on the trend from last week, if you haven't listened to last week's episode... Uh, it's where I list all of my bold predictions for the upcoming season. So sticking with uh, that sort of topic with the with the predictions and stuff, what I thought I'd do today is go through my complete and way too early, if I might add, NBA awards predictions for the upcoming season. So we're gonna we're gonna predict every winner and contender some dark horse candidates as well for every of the major individual awards here and you probably want to stick around to the end because that's when we'll be discussing the front runners and some of the dark horse guys for mvp but without any without any further ado let's just jump right into this with the first award which is coach of the year now for this award i have quinn snyder taking it home Quinn Snyder head coach of the Utah Jazz now with the with the stellar offseason that Utah had this summer they have put themselves right in the thick of the championship discussion heading into the season now they may be considered as more of a dark horse contender at this point but I think if a few things go right for them they can compete with any of the other powerhouse teams in the west or in the east for that matter now, a lot of Utah's fate does rest on the shoulders of Donovan Mitchell and the kind of leap that he takes in year three. But if he can continue on his current trajectory, then I think the Jazz can finish as a top three team in the Western Conference this year. And as well as Mitchell's development, a lot of it will largely be due to Coach Snyder's brilliance on both ends. Now... Snyder has established himself as one of the absolute best coaches in the NBA over the past couple of seasons, and I think this could be the year where he gets officially recognized as such. And he's coached the best defense in the West for the past two years, and now with more floor spacers and creators on the other end on this Jazz team, the team's offense should be able to reach new heights as well, which is why... I've got I've got Quinn Snyder bringing home the award, but again, there are lots of other guys that are going to be in with a shout of this, so I'll just list you a few and what I think it'll take for them to actually win the award. You've got Doc Rivers of 
the Clippers. Now, if he is able to successfully integrate both Kawhi and Paul George into the into the team's offense and defensive system, and he helps the Clippers finish with the best record in the West. That'll put him in with a shout. You got Nick Nurse. Now, if he manages to coach the Raptors to, say, a top four finish in the East, despite not having Kawhi this year, there's a good narrative there for him to win the award. Uh, Steve Kerr of um, the Golden State Warriors, if he managed to help helps the Dubs to greatly outplay expectations this year and has them in the thick of the title race by season's end, you know, after Clay comes back and everything, I think he'll be in with a shout because, you know, he's really not he's really not had to coach a team that wasn't overloaded with superstar talent before, so I think people are gonna be looking to see how he handles that. Um, you've got Eric Spolster of the Miami Heat and now now that he's got a little bit of added star power on the team if he maybe helps Miami get home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, say, I think he could be in with a shout. And final name I've got here is Brad Stevens. Now, I've I've kind of predicted this already, um, but I think Kemba's going to prove to be a better point guard for Stevens' system than Kyrie was. And if Boston thrives as a result, winning maybe 50 games, say, I think Stevens would be in with a shout as well. And next up, we've got the Sixth Man of the Year Award. Now, my pick for this is Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the easy pick here would be Lou Williams to win the award for a third consecutive season, but I'm picking Dinwiddie for a few reasons. First off, while voter fatigue may be more of a factor in picking the MVP, I think it still does exist the other awards and with Williams winning the last two six men awards I think he will have to do a lot this year to make it a hat trick and secondly Lou has another sixth man on his team who will likely take some of his spotlight and that's Montrez Harrell also playing for the Clippers and Finally, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a, he's just a really good basketball player. I mean, you look at what he did last year. He put up about 17 points and four and a half assists, and that was off the bench for the for the Nets last year. And I think those numbers can actually go up this year. You know, with Kevin Durant likely out for the entire season, Dinwiddie looks to be the Nets' definitive third option behind Kyrie and Karis LeVert. And if he can come back with a slightly more consistent three-point shot, I think, we could be looking at an 18 or 19.5 or 6 assist season for Spencer on a Nets team that could still be competing for a top-four finish in the East despite KD's absence. Now, to me, that would that would be enough to bring home the sixth-man award. Unless, of course, Lou Williams just takes it to another level this year which i guess i guess is always possible now um just look at a few of the other guys who i think will be contending for this sixth man award at at the end of the year and and the first one guy i've already touched on lou williams you know i think if if he fights off both father time and for fatigue and has another you know kind of 20 point per game season or thereabouts you know, he'll be in with a shout as per usual at this point. 
Another guy who I think might be in with a shout is Derek Rose of the Detroit Pistons. Now, I think for him, we just need to get more of what we saw last year in Minnesota, but in a slightly expanded role, I think. Um, I mean, there's a chance that Derek Rose could be the second scoring option on this team behind Blake Griffin. And with that, you know, he'll, ha- he'll have plenty of minutes, even coming off the bench and playing behind Reggie Jackson. Uh, he'll, he'll play around 30 minutes a night, I expect. He'll get plenty of shots up and as long as you know he can remain you know solid shooter that he was a year ago I think hey why why not bring home the six-man award and the last guy I've got on here is Bogdan Bogdanovich for the Sacramento Kings now I know he's more of an outside uh, candidate at this point but you know he he played well last year for the Kings in his second season and again this year, if he can put up at least 15 points, 5 assists for a Kings team that maybe manages to sneak into the playoffs as the 8th seed, you know, I think people are going to need to give him some consideration if that if that does happen. But yeah, those are, those are the other contenders I had. There were a few other names uh, that, I was, that I was throwing around, guys like Montrez Harrell, maybe J.J. Redick for the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, there are a few guys, and of course, as with all of these awards, there's always the possibility of, you know, some some guy coming out of left field and surprising everyone with it. So, um, but I think that that'll do it for the for the sixth man award contenders. Let's move on now to the most improved player award. Now, going into a season there's always a pretty long list of players who could potentially break out and make a huge step forward in their development. And I think this often makes the most improved player award arguably the most difficult to predict. But I'm going to go with Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat. You know, with the Heat trading away Hassan Whiteside this summer, I th- Bam is obviously set to become the team's full-time starting center. Now, as a starter at the end of last season, I think in about 22 games, uh, Bam put up uh, about 11.6 points, 9.2 rebounds, 3.1 assists, and a steal and a block per game. Now, those are those are pretty solid numbers for a starting center. He's very versatile, good both on offense and defense, and now with the apparent strides that he's made in his game over the offseason, I think we should be expecting a stat line somewhere in the range of maybe 15 or 16 points, 10 boards, 4 assists, a steal, and maybe 1.5 blocks a night, You know, showcasing a vastly expanded offensive game and impressive versatility for a big man. I think his his passing especially is going to be the thing that catches some people by surprise because he is actually a very good, very good passer and playmaker. And I think since he's going to be a little bit more of a focal point in the Heat's offense this year, I I think averaging over four assists a game is certainly attainable for this guy. Now, speaking of versatility... Versatility is it's kind of the name of the game in the in the modern NBA for big men, and 
I think Bam's versatility and his development, that could be the key, I think, for Miami maybe making a mini run come playoff time. It will obviously depend on how Jimmy Butler fits into things and if maybe they manage to sort out a Chris Paul trade at some point during the season. So a lot's still up in the air, but, you know, Chris Paul trade or no Chris Paul trade, I've got Bam as my most improved player. Now, I'll take you through some of the other guys I have as contenders for uh, the MIP award. Now, there are quite a few of these, so I'll, I'll try and rattle through them relatively quickly. First off, I've got Ben Simmons. Now, if adding a, if adding a jump shot takes Simmons' game from, say, an all-star level to an all-NBA level, and he makes a significant statistical jump as well, then I think I think the award might be his to lose because, you know, with the team that Philly's got, they're going to be, you know, top two in the East. They're going to get lots of recognition. And if Ben Simmons has dramatically changed his game by adding a somewhat reliable jump shot, uh, he's going to have the narrative vote as well. So, so he's definitely one to keep an eye on. I've got Jonathan Isaac. If he continues to show improvements with his offense and his confidence on that end of the floor, while at the same time further establishing himself as an elite wing defender, then I think he could be one of the more underrated contenders for this award. Alonzo uh, Ball... Um, if his new shooting form, along with change of scenery, that might prove to be the all he needs to have a breakout season and begin living up to his potential. You know, it's going to be awesome to see Lonzo running those fast breaks with with Zion Williamson, all the oops and things. So I think the Pelicans are definitely going to get lots of recognition. They're going to be one of my league pass teams for sure. And maybe that extra recognition, extra spotlight... But while being in a in a smaller market, you know, not in under the bright lights of LA, that might be exactly what Lonzo Ball needs to begin living up to his full potential. Obviously, staying healthy will be a priority also. But assuming that, I think Lonzo Ball could be in with as much of a shout of anyone at this Most Improved Player Award. Another guy, Jason Tatum, you know, if he manages to show more comfort as a go-to scorer while not allowing his, you know, Kobe tendencies to um, to almost break the team's offense, you know, if he can also thrive as a cog in the Brad Stevens-Camba Walker system, then not only will he be in the running for most improved player, I think, but he'll also almost assuredly break the 20-point-per-game threshold, which I know some people were expecting him to do last year, but hey, better late than never, right? Karis Levert's another guy, now that he's fully healthy and with no KD, uh, I think he can manage to have the breakout season that we thought we were getting a year ago, um, but obviously it was cut short by that injury. And as I said, without KD... He'll likely be the second scoring option for the Nets behind Kyrie. So I'm expecting a big season from Levert, maybe a 25 and 5, as in 20 points, 5 boards, 5 assists. I say that's a realistic stat line to expect from Levert. 
And that would certainly put him in MIP discussion. And then, right, final three guys here. First, I've got Kelly Oubre Jr. Now, look, if he carries the momentum from the end of last year, wherein he was traded from the Wizards to the Suns, if he can carry that into this season and have a true breakout year, um, I think he can maybe be the third option for this Suns team on offense. And if he can do that, maybe get up to the high teens in scoring, maybe have a little bit of an improved all-around game, you know, he'll be in with a shot as well that's what i'm saying it's so hard to predict this award because you know so many guys you look at you think ah mate they could have a huge season actually oh yeah you you can do that with i did that with it felt like hundreds of guys i had to cut this list down significantly um but anyway last last two guys well or three depending on how you want to look at it the next one i've got either either Demantis Sabonis or Miles Turner. Now, I think one of these guys could potentially take the next step offensively and become a borderline all-star for who I'm predicting to be the third best team in the East this year in the Indiana Pacers. I think Miles Turner, he's been a candidate for this MIP award for the last two or three years, it feels like. And maybe he took he took major strides defensively a year ago. Maybe this is the year he does it offensively. Or maybe it's his big man partner Sabonis, who's probably the he's more he's the more offensively skilled out of the two, and maybe the safer bet to make strides on offense. But it's really a toss up. I think maybe it could be one or the other. Um. It'd be awesome if it was both, but I just don't know if there'll be enough enough shots to go around on this Indiana team. But, again, we'll see. And the final guy, the final contender I've got on here is Markel Fultz. Kind of an outside target. I know I've seen some people saying, oh, he's going to surprise everyone. He's going to be the most improved player. I'm not, I don't know if I'm buying that yet. I do know one of my bold predictions from a week ago was that he was going to be the Magic's full-time starting point guard this year. And I still think that that could happen. And if that happens and he begins living up to the hype of being the number one overall pick, you know, that that could that could have some people looking his way uh, when it comes to the Most Improved Player award. Um, especially because he's going to be getting attention, you know, if he's playing, given, given his story so far, he's going to have eyes on him if he's on the court. So maybe that'll help his case if he can manage to, you know, surprise some people. Maybe he can sneak into the conversation is why I've got him in there. But anyway, that's, that's my field from, for the most improved player award. I know there were a lot of names, but if you think I missed any off there, Feel free to let me know on Twitter. Tweet me at Around the Arc Pod. Now, moving on to the Rookie of the Year. Again, if you'd seen, if you've seen, if you're, if you've listened to my episode from last week, you'll know that one of my bold predictions for the upcoming NBA season was that Zion Williamson was not, in fact, going to win Rookie of the Year, and instead. Jamarant was going to take home award the award. Now I know it's only preseason, but after watching Zion in preseason, I don't know if you've seen him, but I am beginning to regret that pick already. I mean, 
Zion is just making things look shockingly easy for a rookie. I mean, it was it was the game the Pelicans played against the Utah Jazz where on multiple occasions Zion was just taking it right at Rudy Gobert and was making it look easy. I think he finished two at least two or three tough contested layups over the stifle tower and he just he made it look effortless. He just sort of bounced off him almost. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked into the Zion hype there, but yeah, I'm beginning to regret that choice already. But I mean, I can't go back on my bold prediction a week after I make it before the season's even started. So I'm sticking with my pick, right? I'm sticking with uh, Jamarant as my rookie of the year. And despite Zion looking like the next LeBron James, my reasoning for this does still stand and hold weight. You know, you look at Zion's going to be sharing the court with, you know, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick, and others. You know, these are all guys that need their touches. They need their shots. And as a result, Zion, he's not going to have as many opportunities to put up numbers as Ja projects to in Memphis. You know, with Mike Conley now on the Jazz, the keys to the Grizzlies' offense have basically been handed to Morant, who is going to be, he's going to be the guy from day one. You know, yes, he's going to have Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas to share the sugar with, but he's going to have the ultimate green light and he's going to play a ton of minutes as well in his first season, which means more than likely he's going to put up some big numbers. And at the end of the day, that's what the Rookie of the Year award is about, you know. I guess there is always the possibility that Zion is an all-star from day one and he helps the Pelicans reach the playoffs. And in that scenario, I think I may have to change my pick. But I'm sticking with it for the time being. I'm going to stick with it as long as I can. Now, I think... Almost almost everyone, uh, those who haven't picked Zion to be Rookie of the Year, they will pick Ja. There aren't really many other guys who project to be in the race this year. Um, I do have a couple of names as maybe uh, Dark Horse outside candidates. Uh, the first is RJ Barrett. You know, if he can manage to put up huge numbers as a primary scorer and facilitator for the Knicks then that, that'll get him in with a shout, but it's just a question of if he is able to fill that role in his rookie season. If he can, and he can do it on not terrible shooting splits, then yeah, why not chuck him in as the as the third option? Um, man, that, the last guy I've got is, is Darius Garland in Cleveland. Now... I think he's a very outside, he's got a very outside chance, but, you know, there's always the chance that he just surprises everyone and has a kind of Damian Lillard type rookie season, because if you remember back then, no one was expecting Damian Lillard to be the front runner for rookie of the year that year. And he came out and he ran away with the award. He beat Anthony Davis handedly for it. So, I mean, I, there is always the chance and if an outside guy were to win it, I think Darius Garland's my pick for sure. But 
you know, I think it's going to be between Zion and Ja, I think. And that's not that isn't too much of a bold prediction. Moving on to our second to last award, and that is the Defensive Player of the Year. Now, my pick for this is Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, you look, Rudy Gobert has won Defensive Player of the Year the last two seasons, and he will once again be anchoring a dominant Utah defense. Joel Embiid will be in the same position in Philly if he can play enough games to get him in with a shout. However, I'm going with AD because of the narrative factor and because I expect him and the Lakers to surprise a lot of people with just how good they are on defense. If, um, if you didn't see again in last week's episode, another one of my bold predictions was that the Lakers will be an elite defensive team. And I think if they are, then AD is going to be certainly one of the front runners for this award we already know that when he's fully engaged there may not be a better and more versatile defender in basketball than davis you know he's an he's an elite shot blocker and rim protector he has the size and strength to defend centers but also the agility and mobility to step out onto the perimeter you know, this makes him a nightmare at defending pick and rolls also as well as anchoring the paint. And given the given the criticism that AD has received over the past year, something he's not really been accustomed to in his career, I think he's going to be extra motivated to showcase his full abilities this year. I think this means we should expect a consistently engaged Anthony Davis on both ends of the court, which could actually mean he's in line for more than just the Defensive Player of the Year award, but I will get into that in just a minute. Just you wait. Now, i just like to say a little bit about some of the other guys who are going to be in the running for, for the Depoy award. Um, first couple of guys have already touched on Rudy Gobert. You know, all he needs to do is continue to be the most feared rim protector and interior presence that we have seen in quite some time in the NBA. You know, he just needs to keep doing his thing. Although, given that he's won the award the past two seasons, he will need to deal with a bit of voter fatigue. So it'll be a little bit more of an uphill battle for him to get his three-peat. You've got Joel Embiid now. I think all he needs to do is play at least 70 games. And if Philly can be a top three defense in the league, which I think they easily could this year, then Joel Embiid, he'll be right at the front of that race as well. And then a couple of other guys, Draymond Green. I think he's going to play with an extra edge this year for the depleted Warriors. And, and yeah, he's going to be looking to help them outperform expectations. And that's always a solid narrative for, for an award winner. And finally, you've got either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George for the Clippers. And one of them will establish themselves as the de facto premier perimeter defender in the league. And if they can help the Clippers be the best defensive squad in basketball, which with a backcourt of Kawhi, PG, and Patrick Beverly, that's a scary defensive lineup there. So I think that's attainable. And maybe the recognition they get will will mean that one of those guys can step forward and and get the award. But for the moment, I'm I'm going with AD. Now, the final award, the most important award, the one that everyone cares about, 
we've got the most valuable player award. Now, are you ready for an anti-climax? Because I am picking the Greek freak, Yanis Antetokounmpo, to win this award. I know it's the boring pick for MVP, but to be honest, Yanis, it's hard to make a case against him repeating his MVP. That's the way I look at it anyway. You know, he can't come back and just be exactly the same player that he was last year. However, he does need to be better. But with the chatter that's been coming about that's been coming out about the work that he's put in with his jump shot and how he's improved that area of his game, I think it's a pretty safe bet to expect to see the best version of Giannis yet in the upcoming season. And I think Antetokounmpo with a jump shot will just that that that'll just be unfair. I don't think we're ready for how unfair that would be. And I think that would all but ensure him repeating as MVP. Just think about it for a second, right? He he still has a good enough team around him to make a run at a title, but he is still the lone superstar on that team. The offensive system is built around him, and the defense is anchored by him as well. And people forget he could be a defensive player of the year candidate as well. Actually, you know what? I'm I'm now throwing him in as another contender for that award. Um and all that, if he does show an improved jumper, we could be in store for, I don't know, a 30-point-per-game season from him. And that is that is legitimately possible for him. So, see what I mean when it's hard to make a case against Giannis? But since there are plenty of other guys who are going to be, you know, striving for this award, I'll go through a few. First off, you've got LeBron James. Now, I think... The way that he wins it is if revenge LeBron, as he's being called, if he goes a lot harder than we think in the regular season and puts together a GOAT-worthy campaign. Because LeBron's going to have the narrative on his side. So if he can do that, then I think the award's his. Alternatively, it could be his teammates, Anthony Davis. You know, I think this could happen if, if LeBron decides to take a little bit more of a back seat and let AD go off for the monster season and kind of carry the Lakers offense. I think it could be his this could be his breakthrough season where where he wins the award for the first time. Uh you've got James Harden who I think's going to be <laughs> it feels like he's going to be in the running until he retires. And I think um a lot because the MVP award seems to matter a lot more to James Harden than it does to pretty much any other player. Now, I think the way that he can kind of overcome the odds and win the MVP award this year, I don't think, I don't really think this is Harden's year, but let's just play hypotheticals. Let's say he and Westbrook figure it out and they lead the Rockets to a top three finish in the West and Harden still puts up 30 a night with around seven assists and the occasional one-legged three. I mean, you're going to have to have him up there somewhere if that happens. So I'll leave him on the list. Um, Joel Embiid's another guy. I think if he, again, like with the Defensive Player of the Year discussion, if he can play at least 70 games and if he can somehow manage to improve on the 27 and 13 that he posted a year ago, then Embiid could be the guy. 
I think. You know, I, I know a few things that have to fall into place, but definitely possible. Uh, you've got another guy who I think is is one of my leading choices for the award, and that's Steph Curry. Now, the stage seems to be set for him to turn back into his 2016 self and with the ultimate green light and lack of star power around him apart from D'Angelo Russell. Hey, Steph is just, he's set to put up ridiculous offensive numbers. Not unlike what we saw from James Harden a year ago, I think we could see Steph's version of that. Maybe not 36 points per game level, but I think expect some crazy stat lines from Steph this year. And finally, I think this guy's more of an outside chance, but Kawhi Leonard of, of the Clippers, you know, he has said that he expects to play more this year. So taking him at his word, if he doesn't miss as many games due to load, load management and he leads the Clippers to, say, the best record in the NBA, then he could build his own narrative, especially because... Sorry, just hit my mic there, <laughs> if, you, if you heard that. Um, yeah, if he can... He'll, he'll have his own narrative, especially with, you know, Paul George missing a few weeks at the start of the season, you know, Kawhi Leonard will have a chance to kind of build an early case for MVP. And then if he can just, you know, keep that momentum going as the, as the season progresses, maybe he can, he can sneak into the conversation. I mean, he's definitely capable of, if he wants to, he's in more of a LeBron situation where it's just a question of how hard he goes in the regular season, because I think Kawhi, Kawhi's basically reached that level now, where, I, well, I mean, still at this point in time, I still have him as the best player in the league, after what he did in last year's playoffs, so, yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of how hard he goes in the regular season, but um, I would say he's not quite a dark horse candidate, I'm going to get into a few dark horse candidates just now, because, I mean, look look at the past, I don't know, 10 years, right? And you look at everyone who's won the MVP award in that span. Yes, a lot of the time it's been the LeBrons, the KDs, you know, the guys you would expect to come home with it. But like with Derrick Rose in 2011 and Steph in 2015, the first time he won it, you know, the MVP isn't always one of the guys you'd expect at the start of the season that ends up winning it. So with that in mind, here are a few of my dark horse candidates for this year's MVP award. And I'll I'll kind of go into a bit of what I think it would take for these for these guys to shock everyone and bring the award home. Now I've got three names on here. The first guy is Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets. Now, I think what it'll take for him is, you know, another another step to full-blown superstar status, I think. If he can put up a near triple-double, you know, if he can up his scoring to maybe 22, 23 points while still uh, grabbing, you know, 11 or 12 rebounds and handing out about eight assists while also leading the Nuggets to the best record in the West... I think that that will then be worthy of MVP consideration 
because that'll just that'll be defying expectations left, right, and center. Because I think nobody really expects the Nuggets to have the same success as they did a year ago in the regular season. I think mainly just because of how stacked the West is now. So if Jokic can, you know, sort of defy the odds and take a step individually, then why not have him in with a shout? Uh, the next guy I've got is Kyrie Irving for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I think for him to actually ascend to MVP level, he's going to need to have his best season to date. And if he can elevate the Nets to at least a top four team in the East, maybe a top three team, you know, while showcasing improved leadership skills and all that, then then why not? I think Kyrie definitely has the talent where he can have kind of an outlying season where he just goes nuts. And, you know, I think the stage is set for, for that to potentially happen with KD not being in town this year. Oh, well, I'm not being on the court. Then, yeah, it's kind of if Kyrie was ever going to have an MVP season, then it would be this year, I think. And the final guy who I've got for similar reasons as Kyrie, actually, on this list is Damian Lillard. Now, I have talked about this briefly on the podcast, I think, when I was talking about all the title contenders this year and making a case for each one. Now, I think for Damian Lillard, one, to have Portland in the title race and two, to have him in the MVP race, and he's going to need to have his version of Steph's 2016 unanimous MVP season or Isaiah Thomas's 2017 season where he finished fifth in MVP voting. You know, and... You know, again, why not? I think Dame certainly has the talent to just go to just go off for an entire season, average over thirty points on career high efficiency, leading the Blazers to a top four finish in the West. That would garner some MVP consideration from me at least, and I think plenty of other people too. And you know, Actually, the more I the more I talk about that, the more I feel that that might happen this year, because after I just think after Dame showed out in the playoffs last year, it was almost like his coming out party where he you know he stopped being this underrated guy and he finally became you know a top ten player in the NBA. I feel like he could easily just carry that momentum into this year and. Just, yeah, why not? Just, ah, whatever. But there you are, there you are, guys. Those are my dark horse candidates for for the MVP. And with that, that kind of wraps up this list. So let, let me know what you think of these awards predictions, which ones you agree with, which ones you think are dumb. And let me, let me know your own award predictions for the upcoming season as always you can let me know on twitter at around the arc pod and yeah with that guys i will see you back next week where the regular season will be underway less than a week to go guys i am so hyped 
for this season. I assume you are too. Hope you enjoyed this one and I will see you back here next week. All right. Catch you in a bit, guys. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.